This is KMTT. And today the Shur in Pashat HaShavua by Harav Alex Israel. If Lech Lecha, as we saw last week, uh, is focused upon the vacillations of the divine promise of Zerah and Aret, Parashat Vayera appears to be focused upon a very different issue. Issues of morality, values of tzedek or mishpat. Whether we're reading about Avram's hospitality in the opening scene or his passionate argumentation on behalf of Sodom or even Avram's eviction of Hagar and Yishmael, this is a parsha in which Avram struggles and is expected to uphold the values of tzedek or mishpat, justice and kindness. That is the matrix of this parsha. And therefore, uh, when we get to the Akedah, we really uh, seem to find ourselves at the pinnacle of the Parsha. And uh, the Akedah has perplexed many. It forms, as we know, a bedrock of our Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur davening, um, and is possibly one of the most difficult scenes in Tanakh. Uh, I'm going to try today, in today's shir, to focus on the Akedah, and to learn it in a very simple manner, um, to see some of the central ideas of the story. But we're actually going to begin at the end of the story. Uh, because there we read a famous line um, said to Avraham, Vayomer, al tishlach yadchal hanar, v'al taslom uma, ki yadati ki elokim ata. Don't send your, forth, your hand forth to the boy, don't do anything to him. For now I know that you are God-fearing. The Svatemet asks a, a, a famous question. And he says, uh, why is the Midas of Avraham, why is the quality that Avraham achieves through the Akeda stressed as being Yirat Elohim? After all, says the Svatemet, usually Yirat, the fear of God, is seen as a lower form of divine service. And Ahavat Hashem, love of God, is seen as a higher form. Now why is this? Yirat Hashem, fear of God, usually indicates a type of service under coercion. Service uh, because of some sort of fear, Yirat. Whereas Ahava, love of God, is when I serve God because I love Him, because I have a feeling of enthusiasm, an identification with God's will. A, a sense of connection with God. So, why does God say after that, that's not the peak, that's not the pinnacle, Ahavat Hashem is. So, Svadamet says that we're actually misunderstanding the concept of Yira and Ahava, especially as regards Avraham. He says, you're correct. Ahava is a feeling of enthusiasm, of identification, and Avraham certainly identified with God's values. And that's exactly why Avraham is called Ohavi. Avraham loved God, and when we love someone, we share their values, we're, we're synchronized with them. Avraham could do that very well. He, he was in, in, in sync with God. But Avraham had never experienced Yira. He had never experienced the worship of God, which was based upon simple obedience. Fear, the idea that he is told to do something which he doesn't identify with. 
says the Sfatimet, the Akhidah is such a moment. It is a moment which appears to Abraham as unthinkable, unfathomable, illogical, maybe even immoral, maybe even ungodly. Abraham gains the quality of Yira because even in this absurd situation where he doesn't understand why God has asked him to do this or how it makes sense, Abraham is obedient and the Akhidah is such an act, an act of pure obedience. I would like in today's shir to sort of demonstrate and play out through the text itself how the Akhidah generates uh, this point in a very evocative manner. And before we even begin, let me add that many of the ideas that I'm going to express in this uh, shi'or can be attributed to Professor Oriel Simon, whose course on the Akhidah at Barilan University is, is a masterpiece in its own right. Um, our methodology that we're going to use today is simply to try and uh, read through uh, the text of the Tanakh itself. Because if we read the Tanakh carefully and closely, we will see the way that the way the story is formulated, um, the story is crafted so succinctly, so carefully, that its simplicity and its phraseology uh, both captivate us, the reader, and uh, also really create the correct balance of ideas, the tension that we're meant to appreciate through the story. So let's begin with the beginning of the story. Parachafbet begins by Hi Achar Hadvarim Ha'ilah Ve'elokim Nisait Avraham, by Yom Elav Avraham, by Yom Erhinedi, by Hi Achar Hadvarim Ha'ilah. Is the Akedah a new story? Or is it connected to that which came before it? What did come before the Akedah? Well, if we look at chapter 21, we actually see three stories. Number one, the birth of Yitzchak. Number two, the sending away of Ishmael. And number three, the covenant, the Brit, with Avimelech, Melech Plishtim. What, what are we, in what way, if it says, Achar Yakidah is connected to those stories. And in what manner? I think it's simple. The Yakidah comes after the fulfillment of God's promise. Avraham now has Yitzchak. As he was told, Ki Yitzchak, he Yitzchak, he now has Zera. He has a continuation. He has a child. Moreover, that child's status is not under any question. Ishmael has been sent away. And maybe I might also add, and now is not the time to dwell on the parallels between the sending away of Ishmael and the story of Akedat Yitzchak. However, um, it is certainly interesting that after the sending away of Ishmael, for Avraham to undergo the experience of Akedat Yitzchak should be all the more traumatic. But the third story in chapter 21 is also very uh, evocative because... Now we are seeing that Abraham has status. Local kings feel the need to come to him and initiate a covenant with Abraham. So Abraham has a continuity. He has a child. It is clear which child is the future of the covenant. And he has local kings who are making uh, agreements with him for recognizing 
who he is. And after all of this, the Akedah transpired. Abraham has come so far. And now, so inexplicably, almost so painfully, the test of the Akedah, of losing his son, is thrust upon him. Um, what does this phrase, God tested Abraham, tell us? And I'm not going to go into what the test is, etc., etc., but I want to say maybe two things about this phrase. Um, the first point is that from Abraham's point of view, he doesn't know it's a test. He thinks it's for real. It is the, so to speak, the Tanakh itself, the narrator in the Tanakh, which says and tells us, the reader, that this is a test. Why are we told this? Is it there to lower the sense of tension? I would say not. We, the people who are reading this story, need to know that this is a test for Abraham, for Abraham's faithfulness to God. In other words, at the outset, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to understand that God does not really want us to slaughter our children. This is not God's intention. It never was. This is a test. We shouldn't misunderstand it. In this regard, let me uh, add one further thing. Um, one of the difficulties when we read the Akedah is the question that we can address to God. What is God thinking? Does God really want child sacrifice? So as I've mentioned, it's clear from the outset that he doesn't. Um, but here, I think it's important to realize that whereas Christians call this parasha the sacrifice of Isaac, modeling it as a sort of a, a foreshadowing of uh, the crucifixion of some sort, we don't look at it that way at all. We call it Akhidat Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac, but not Hakravat Yitzchak, not the sacrifice of Isaac. And I would say more than that, for Am Yisrael, the enduring symbol of the Akhidah is not the Mizbeach, it is not the Ma'achelet, the slaughter knife, but it is rather the Shofar. It is the, it is the ram's horn or the ram itself, the surrogate, the substitute the, the sacrifice which represents um, the sacrifice of the, of, of, the, of the lamb, not the son, which represents the fact that the symbolic uh, substitute or surrogate for Yitzchak, but we're not interested in the sacrifice of Isaac. We're interested in Akidat Yitzchak, Isaac's binding. Okay, back to the first pasuk. Vayihi achar havrema ele, ve'elokim Abraham, Abraham, he calls Abraham, and Abraham responds, Hineni. The phrase Hineni is not a geographical statement which says, I'm here, I'm not there. It has a very different function. Hineni means, I'm with you, I'm prepared. Hineni means, I'm here in the sense that I am on board. It's not a physical designation. It's a mental and emotional intent. It means, whatever you say, I am prepared for. Now we will see. Here, Avram hasn't been told anything. It was after these things, as we've explained, after Avram has been given everything that he desires for, that God tests Avraham and says to Avraham, he calls his name, Avraham. And Avraham says, I am prepared, I'm ready for whatever you say. This word, Hineni, is going to be played back and forth in this story. But we should understand that at the very start, Abraham is ready to do whatever God says. And that's when God drops the bombshell. 
ויאמר קחנה את בנך את יחידך אשר אהבת את יצחק ולך לך אל ארץ המוריה והלאו שם לעולה על אחד הערים אשר אומר לך. Let's deal with this uh, phrase, let's translate it. He says, take, please take your son, your only son, who you love, Yitzchak, and go, Lech Lecha, to the land of Moriah, and offer him up there as a burnt offering on one of the hills that I will show you. Why do we need all these phrases, four phrases? Kachna, et bincha, your son, yichidcha, your only one, Asher Hafta, that you love, et Yitzchak. Rashi says that uh, the aim is to, there shouldn't be any misunderstanding, your son, but it could be Ishmael, et Yichidcha, your only son. Wait, I have two, Asher Hafta, et Yitzchak. In other words, maybe, or as Rashi says, to break it to him slowly, so he shouldn't get a heart attack, he shouldn't, if it's say et Yitzchak, maybe he wouldn't know how to respond. However, maybe we can offer a different explanation. In everyday English, I can turn around to you and say, oh, please do me a favor, I've just got a little favor to ask you. Alternatively, I can proceed my request by saying, I really need a huge um, favor. I need something, I'm really going to ask you for something major. And then you, you understand what that is. Um, here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't disguising anything. When he says, Kachnait bincha, your son, Yitchidcha, your only son, Asher Ahavta, who you love, Et Yitzchak, he's saying to him, I understand exactly what I'm asking of you. He's not breaking it slowly. He's saying, Avraham, I'm asking you for the ultimate, the ultimate uh, act of dedication to me. One further word here. We know that Avraham is going to come out of this story as a true Oved Hashem. That we know. The question which we might wonder is, Avraham will come out as an Oved Hashem, but will Avraham emerge from this story as a good father? From the outset, this story affirms uh, that Avraham is a good father. What does God say? There is no question that Avraham loves his son. You love him. God says, I know you love him. And that is the test. So Avraham is in this situation, uh, which is which is impossible. And and to just explain how the text maybe even says this further, uh, let's deal with the next phrase. Lech lecha el eretz hamoriah. Of course, the language here, lech lecha, is identical to Avraham's first command. There, v'yom Hashem al-Avraham lech lecha. Here also, lech lecha. There he is told to go to the land which I will show you, El Ha'aretz Asherecha, here to one of the mountains which I will show you, with no explicit destination, the same thing. So why is this um, command of the last and final and the highest of his texts, evoking Lech Lecha, the language of Lech Lecha, the first of his texts? What is the similarity? What does it say? Well, let's ask this question. Avram was told Lech Lecha, Go to the land which I will show you. Once I have made Aliyah, is there a further Aliyah? When he comes to Eretz Yisrael, Lech Lecha, once he has arrived, once he has reached his destination, you've arrived. Is there any further to go? So this teaches us Lech Lecha, that after Lech Lecha, there is another Lech Lecha. 
In Judaism, we have never arrived. A Jew is always lech. He's always mahalech. He's always striding, walking, seeking God, always growing, always experiencing, always answerable to Hashem and responsive to God's command. The first command is lech lecha, the last command is lech lecha. But beyond this, the parallel could not be more of a contrast. In the first command, lech lecha, what is Abraham giving up? He's giving up a, a life in Haran, in Ur-Kastim. Okay. But he's going to an exciting future, a new future, a future that might give him children. Abraham has a lot going for him last time with Lech Lecha. How about now? Here, he has a family. And by, by performing Lech Lecha, he is engaging in a absurd move, absurd act of giving up his entire future his son, his morality, his ethos. This whole uh, verse here um, reinforces the idea of just how frightening, irrational, absurd, how how crazy this act is, this act of uh, that we're dealing with here. So this is where we find ourselves already at the end of Pasuk Bet of uh, of of the parsha of the Akedah. Abraham gets up in the morning. He does this with enthusiasm in such an unbelievable way. He cuts the wood. He takes his tuna arim with him and he goes to the place which God shows him. And on the third day, Avraham lifts up his eyes and sees the place from a distance. And Avraham leaves his two companions at the bottom. We don't know who they are. And he says, and I and the boy will go and bow down to God and return to you. Now one of the questions we may ask here is, why does he lie? He says, we will come back. And the, we know, by the way, that in the end he does come back, but why does he lie? And I'd like to uh, suggest something. Maybe he lies because he hasn't yet told Yitzchak. He didn't tell his servants, and he didn't tell Yitzchak. Abraham, like any parent, is having trouble breaking the news to Yitzchak. It could be, and he also feels that he can't take the servants with him um, because there are certain religious moments that are private. But why does he lie? He hasn't yet told Yitzchak what he's doing. Interestingly, in the next scene, Yitzchak takes the wood and he takes, after all, he is the parent and Yitzchak is the child. He takes, Avram takes the dangerous stuff, the fire, and the knife. The knife has a very awkward name, Ma'achelet, from the word Ochel. It is a knife that eats, it consumes. The only, the, one of the other places where we have the word Ma'achelet, it's a knife which butchers up a woman and cuts her into 12 pieces. It's a very cruel word. This Ma'achelet is a very threatening depiction of this knife. However, it stresses that they go together. There is harmony here. It is interesting that on the one hand, Abraham knows about the sacrifice, Yitzchak doesn't know. And yet, and now, Yitzchak asks the question. And Yitzchak said to Abraham, his father, notice here, always, 
his father, his son. Vayomer Avi, he says, my father. Vayomer Hineni Bani. What an important pasuk. First of all, notice how many words it takes for Yitzchak to get one word out of his mouth. And that word is, hey dad, Avi. Listen how many words. Vayomer Yitzchak Abraham Aviv. Vayomer Avi. Why twice Vayomer? Twice Vayomer. You heard the text. Vayomer Yitzchak Abraham Aviv. Vayomer Avi. Why couldn't it just say Vayomer Yitzchak Avi? I think this is what we call in the Tanakh, or what we call in the in the modern world, slow motion. There is silence. They're walking silently, and it is difficult for Yitzchak to break the silence. And he says, Avi, my father, may I say something? What's Avram's response? Hineni bani. I am ready. I'm with you. I'm totally committed to you. I love you. Hineni. He said Hineni once to God. And he has said Hineni now to his son. Hineni bani. Avram loves his son. He cares about his son. And now Yitzchak asks the question. Ayomer, um, Yitzchak says there's something wrong here um, where is the offering interestingly enough he says we have the fire and the itzim he doesn't mention something else he doesn't say here is the fire and the wood and, uh, and the sacrifice knife now, why doesn't he say it why isn't the knife mentioned? Well, it could be that he just simply senses something. He doesn't want to, to, to mention it. So in other words, Yitzchak sensing there's something weird. We've got the fire, we've got the wood, I won't mention the machalet. Where is the animal? And now, how does Avraham respond to his son, his son who he cares about so much? Bayoma Avraham. And Abraham says, Elohim bani. First of all, once again, the notion bani, my son. But he says, God will show us the uh, lamb for the sacrifice, my son. Interestingly enough, the word him, I said God will show us. It actually means something deeper. In Shmuel, chapter 16, when Shmuel is sent to find a king, and to choose one of the sons of Yishai, Jesse, as a king, it says, God says to him, Kiraiti mi banav melech. And it doesn't mean, I have seen one of his sons as king, but it means, I have chosen one of his sons as king. When he says here, Elohim bani, God will choose the sacrifice. Now here, Avram has a severe parenting moment. What should he answer him? He says to him, we have the fire. We have the wood, and where is the sacrifice? He could say, I don't want to tell you, you're too young. He could hide the truth, but he doesn't do that at all. He says, God will choose the sacrifice. He realizes that Yitzhak as a young young child, again, we don't know how old Yitzhak is, but I think it's most unlikely that he is 37, as Seder Olam or Rashi says, and I think we would probably be better off to follow the Ibn Ezra, that he is 12 or 13, he is young, he is not yet a full adult, he is not yet a little child, he can carry wood. And he says, God will choose the sacrifice. Um, what's he saying? Avram doesn't want to mention it, and he wants to leave things open 
The inner truth is that we understand that it is in God's hand to choose what he wants from us. Um, Avram doesn't want to say anything. He says, I've given up so much to God, I don't want to lose my son. And interestingly, after this, they walk together. At the pinnacle of the story, Avraham binds uh, his son. Avraham slowly builds the altar. altar. One wonders what Yitzchak is thinking. He ties him up so that he won't move. They always tied up a sacrifice. And he was put on top of the wood. And at that point, Avraham sends forth his hand. Again, this is in slow motion. At that point, The angel of God calls out from the heavens. Why an angel and why not God himself? It is unclear. And he says to Avraham, he says, Avraham, Avraham. Maybe it's twice Avraham because Avraham has said twice Hineni. Maybe there's a symmetry here. But how does Avraham respond? Avraham responds with one single word. Hineni. Hineni. We now see the centrality of this word Hineni. The text has built up, number one, the sense of which God is asking Avraham for the ultimate sacrifice. For everything, to throw away everything. The text has also shown the way that Avraham is fully dedicated to God. The text has also shown the two Hinanis. Hineni to God. Hineni to his son. If I would add something else, Avraham is still hoping till the last minute that the outcome might be different. That Elohim Yirelo Haset Le'olah Beni that God will show us, God will choose what we have to do. But until it is decreed, until it is chosen, it is still an open game. I am in God's hand. And now, when the angel calls out to Avraham as he is approaching with the knife, Avraham says to God, Hineni. In other words, what's he saying? I am fully at your command, God. This is when Avraham passes the test. And it's a terrible moment because we realize that Hineni to the one is the death of the other. But if Avram says, I am totally at God's disposal, I am not going to be able to live with my son. And it is this moment that God relieves Abraham of the fulfillment of that commitment. He says, I have seen your commitment. I understand that you have said Hineni to me, even though you are torn between the Hineni to your son and the Hineni to me, but you have said Hineni to me even at this point. And God says, Al Hanar, do not send forth your hand to the boy, Al Taslam Uma, don't do a thing to him. Ki Atayadati, because now I understand, Ki Elokim Ata, that you have shown your obedience to me. Sometimes we ask the question, did Abraham pass the test? Should Abraham have argued with God? Should Abraham refuse to have done it? I think that the way the story is told, there is no doubt that Abraham 
pass the test. He was given an impossible test, but it was a test that he passed. Abraham knew, sorry, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knew what he was asking of Abraham, and he wanted to see his dedication. He didn't want Yitzchak to die. He says, and like we explained in our opening minutes, as the Svat Emet says, Yerealokim, not Ahavat Hashem, an Ahava which you understand, which you identify with, Yerealokim, a situation where you only listen to God because of fear, because of His authority, because you are committed to Him. Because you did not, and here echoing the opening line, you do not deny, you do not withhold your son, your only son, from me. And now, when Avraham Avraham what do we understand from this? So I would like to finish off with two final messages of the Akedah. And here you can look in the work of Shintra of Al-Hash, who says, and here we understand the essence of all uh, Korbanot. How can we replace Yitzchak, which means everything? Yitzchak means everything to Avraham. His entire future, he has pulled all of his chinuch, he has pulled all of his hopes and prayers into Yitzchak. How do we ever imagine that a random um, ayil um, will fulfill the role of Yitzchak. It's as if somebody gives you the most valuable thing and says, exchange this for a piece of paper. It is obvious that the isle is merely symbolic. The isle is in some way symbolic of Avram's dedication. And that every korban we bring subsequently in the Makom Amidash, which is modeled, which is based on the Makom Akedah, is saying that the very essence of a korban, the very essence of korban is there to symbolize our, whoever brings the korban is symbolizing their absolute dedication to God. Let us say also, and this is a point that I did hear from Professor Simon, and Professor Simon said the following, he says, one wonders whether Abraham felt inferior to his Canaanite neighbors. His Canaanite neighbors were able to express their dedication to their gods by sacrificing their children, and of course, this was abhorrent, and is abhorrent to Abraham. However, maybe God is even saying, now you know you're capable of their dedication. I don't want it. I don't want it at all. But now you know how dedicated you can be. This story ultimately um, stands as a beacon. um, As a beacon of the dedication that sometimes people are asked to show in the name of religion. Sometimes feeling that God is asking for the ultimate um, ultimate test from them is demanding the ultimate um, sacrifice from them. Maybe it is not surprising that there are a few parashiyot which are represented in modern Israeli poetry. Um, frequently poetry which is evocative of the sacrifices that parents have to make by losing their children in the various wars of Israel. So many poems have been written here in modern Medina Israel based on the narrative of the Akedah. Because not only in Medina Israel, but sometimes in religion, sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu is understandable. Sometimes he is penetrable. Sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Elokei Chesed. But at times, there are moments where 
The will of God is inscrutable. The will of God is perplexing. The will of God appears even cruel, where God demands from a person to uh, lose everything uh, for his name. And at those moments, we understand the dedication of Abraham treads the path for the Jewish people. Not because he valued his children less, but because he understood that the Tzava Eloki, the demand of God, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will was a dedication which was the highest of all. Wishing you all a Shabbat Shalom.